Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. Thanks for being with us on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We're glad to be with you this afternoon as we get closer to the end of 2023, a year that I think has gone by in a hurry. Maybe that's one of those things where the older we get, the faster it feels like it goes, especially if you got little people around you, uh, it, it feels like it, you you blink and they're another year older. Borky, I don't know if you're in that mode yet where you're like, wait, what? James was just this size and now he's this size and he's into this and he's doing this and it just feels like it goes by so fast? Yeah. I mean, four years have just absolutely flown by in ways that I can't fathom. What? Are you okay? Did, did you I'm like, okay. Did you sit out in the courtyard and sip on some Jack Daniels and smoke a carton of Reds right before we came on the radio? So, I don't know if I should tell this story because I don't think people are going to believe it. Okay. But last night, I lost my voice at about 2 a.m. screaming at somebody on my back porch. I got Somebody? Woke, I got woken up. You have a fenced-in backyard. I do. I got woken up. At 2 a.m., somebody was walking on my back porch. And okay. I, 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 it woke me up. The, the footsteps woke me up. Glad to have to. Were you two, in your uh, bedroom or had you fallen in my bedroom. asleep on the mm-hmm. couch? In my bedroom, the, it like is adjacent to the porch. Okay. So, so I could hear it. And glad my guard dogs really helped out with that. <laughs> um, but I just the, the only thing I think to do is scream. I just yell to to because I, I keep all the lights off. You know, I, I keep the lights off in the house. I don't have any lights on outside of my house. I have a security system. I live in a safe neighborhood. Uh, all that. Um, so I screamed, screamed, just because that's all I could think of. And the person ran away. Did you go outside to scream, or did you scream from inside the house? From inside the house, and then of course I, I went outside. I, I, I got a, I have a big machete. It's like. Two and a half feet long. Okay, that I keep um, for for clearing brush and things. Yeah, and or, or so whatever. I grab that because I keep it near my bed in a safe place so the little guy 
doesn't know where it is yeah, and yeah, can't get yeah. it. And went outside, and then I heard a car door shut out front. And so I ran out front quickly, and it was somebody in a panic, he and his wife, looking for their dog. And they chased their dog into my neighbor's yard that had their gate open. But they couldn't find the dog in my neighbor's yard. So he jumped my fence to get to my yard. And I, I, I as he's explained this to me, and it... it like it felt real. I mean, he was in his sweats, and he's an older man, and his wife was older, and they they were they they weren't robbing my house. They they were clearly yeah. yeah. But I said, man, I know it's two a.m., but I would much rather you knock on my door than jump my fence and get into my backyard. That and feels I was like, like incredibly unsafe for him, yeah. even if his intentions were pure. But, but, and, you know, and he was very apologetic, but I, I feel kind of bad because I was aggressive. I was like, never do that again. I was I, I, I used a couple bad words. I said, what the is wrong with you? Like, I Ooh. yelled at him. Like, it's two o'clock in the morning. You're on my back porch. And, like, like I've, I've got a four year old in the house. What? <laughs> so I, I, that, that's why I've, I've lost my voice because I was screaming because somebody was on my back porch and I, I just, I didn't think to do anything else other than make my presence known inside of my house that that I was there. And turns out it was a guy looking for his dog. And eventually I calmed down and wished him luck and said, "If you know, it's a black lab, so really hard to see at night. Mm. If if I see him, then I'll let him know." And I got his number and all that. But I I, I was so mad. What are you on my back porch, Richard? Well, I mean we. We got a couple of messages on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Um, one says, hope you're a gun owner. Another from Thomas says, your AR is pretty loud without you having to scream and lose your voice. There's another, another message that says, and that's how you get shot, sir. And I didn't think to say that to him, but I wish I would have. And, and somebody else said in other places he probably would have been met with more than a machete. And, and that's what I was saying a second ago. Like, as angry as you are and as frustrated as you are, I mean, you you, you can't go into somebody's backyard no. in the middle of the night, especially in a place like Mississippi. And I, I, I'm not, like, trying to... Um, no, man. I, I, I mean, there I'm are... I'm not trying to paint us in a bad light, but if... I, I wouldn't call that I, bad. I mean... If I heard someone walking around on our back patio at night, I would probably go outside with a gun. Yeah. And on my street, so so two doors down, three doors down, there is a police officer, not in Madison, I I, I won't say the okay. word, yeah. but, but he is, um, he does, like, drug raids and, and stuff like that. Like, he leaves yeah, his house yeah, yeah. with a vest on. So, right. so you've got that down the street. You've got an MDHS... Or not MDHS, uh, MDWFP agent a few doors up. Like, you're lucky you, it wasn't one of those guys' houses that you went on. I mean, that's on that's my street. You got a, a special police officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, sure. So he was lucky it was me. Somebody says, how did he lose his dog at 2 a.m.? I'm going to excuse that. I mean, if your dog wakes up at your house and needs to go out and you let him out and somebody happened to leave the gate open, that happens at my house all the time. 
and you know, dog gets out, and you got to go walking around in your in your PJs in the middle of the night, or less than your PJs, or whatever you're wearing, looking for a dog. You you can feel like a bit of a moron. That happens, but you can't jump up somebody's fence into their backyard looking for said yeah. dog. And, it's just a and, bad, bad plan. I, and again, I, I I believe I'm glad that this ended well because this this is the kind of story Borky that could have ended far less yeah. well than it did. And, and I believe them. Since he was on my back porch, but I was telling a friend about this earlier, and he was like, you know, my thought was they're package thieves. They were driving around the neighborhood looking for, like, quick or, or like, I mean, I've I've got a couple of grills on my back porch. Maybe they were trying to steal one and just got caught, but they, they, were, an, they were older, and he, I don't know how the heck he got over my – he didn't look like he was particularly athletic, and it's a six-foot-tall fence, but um, – yeah. so okay. maybe he was doing that. And I just bought his story, but well, here's hoping. Here's yeah. hoping. All right. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit beating. today. Like you, yeah. you, you lost your voice, and I'm kind of like heart beating just a little bit faster. I, I didn't really go back bad. to sleep, man. I mean, it, the the the. If you've never been in that situation, which I haven't really, I mean, nobody's broken into my house before. <laughs> Like the adrenaline, I, I couldn't go back to sleep. I, I've been up since mm-hmm. two a.m. I mean, I, I watched YouTube videos uh, until uh, I started. I mean, I'm not going to ask you what videos you watched. You don't need to know that. <laughs> no, not like that. that. Uh, not, not any of those. But that, yeah. that was all I could do. And clown um, says, "Glad you didn't shoot me, Borky. I just wanted to say hi." <laughs> That's on the uh, on the ceasefire text line. Um, hey, bowl games are supposed to be a reward, right? They're supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be a reward. Have you? Are you by chance watching any of the um, the armed? Is it armed forces bowl? Is that is that what this one is? It is the military. The mili- bowl. I'm sorry. Yeah, the military bowl presented by GoBowling.com. It's being played in Annapolis, Maryland, which on the best of days, this time of year is usually not like a warm and balmy spot. They're playing it at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. And there is a great crowd. Not a good crowd, a great crowd. There are a gazillion Virginia Tech fans there. Borky, it is currently in Annapolis, 54 degrees and pouring down rain. Now, it could be 34 and pouring down rain, and it would be fun. The Virginia Tech fans appear to be having a great time, but that looks miserable. It's like it's like there's a cloud that's hanging over the field and it's raining sideways. And a good game also as uh, Virginia Tech leads 24-17 over Tulane with uh, they're in the third quarter. Looks like a lot of fun, honestly. If you're prepared for that anyway. Like if you have your poncho and your rain jacket and you're dressed warm and you got good pair of boots on, that looks like fun. I guess. I mean, you need the full-on rain gear, and you need the towel that's, like, wrapped around your neck underneath the hood that's pulled up, and you're still probably getting wet, and you're probably cold to the core. You really want your team to win if you endure that. You're a Virginia Tech fan, and you're hanging out there with, you know, 25,000 of your closest friends at uh, at this one, and it's pouring down rain. You really don't want to go home with a loss. No. Because then it's like, oh, was that worth it? Hey, but remember, bowl games don't matter. You watch this and you see two teams that are playing their rear ends off in the military bowl on December 27th. But nope, doesn't matter. 
Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Forky may or may not make it through the show with his voice. We will all get through this three hours together. We're back with you right after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Like the legend of the Phoenix. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Virginia Tech leading 24 to 17 over Tulane, and Hokey Hokey High is getting it done on the ground. They are over 200 yards rushing in the game with eight minutes to go. In the third quarter, in just miserable conditions, 50 degrees, raining, foggy, cloudy. It's the kind of game that you love to see in the regular season in November. It's like, oh, this is great. Kind of feel bad for those guys when this is the reward for a season well played. Uh, Virginia Tech getting in with a 6-6 six and six record, Tulane with an 11-2 and two record. Yeah, they won 11 games, and this is where they get sent. Wow, pretty good throw down the field as well. It's um, yeah, and what I mean, Tulane was a win in the conference championship game, away from being the uh, the representative in the New Year's Six game for the Group of Five for the second consecutive season. Wait, did Tulane fumble the? Uh... No, they went quick three and out. Ooh, I mean, they went I mean quick that's three like... and out on offense, punted it away. It's one running play and one passing play, and they're. Virginia Tech's right back in scoring position inside the uh, inside the 15-yard line. Okay. In 10 years, Virginia mm-hmm. Tech is playing football in what conference? Ooh. In 10 years, anybody is playing football in what conference? That's true. What are they going to call it? The Super League? Yeah, I don't know. That's a... That's a ooh, that's a big brain question that you asked there on the the twenty seventh of December where we're just kind of hanging out and having yeah. a good time and talking football. Um, I mean, it does feel like the teams that currently make up the SEC will still be playing together. It may look entirely different, but the core of the SEC, I feel like. Regardless of the change that we go through over the next decade, will still exist. That makes sense. Like I mean, I feel like Ole Miss and Mississippi State are still going to be playing each other every year in football a decade from now, and they're still going to be in a conference that includes LSU and Auburn and Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia and Florida and Arkansas, Texas and Texas A and M. I mean, it feels like these. These core teams are going to stay together. Uh-oh, got a fumble, but it was recovered. But, oh, that's a great question, though, about Virginia Tech. Because I don't... Do you believe that the ACC will exist 
in its current form in 10 years? Uh, no, Florida State's lawsuit is the catalyst. I mean, it's it's over. And you know Clemson, by the way. Florida State's doing all this publicly because they got snubbed from the playoff. You know Clemson's also cheering them on at a minimum. All right, so I asked K-Dad that question on Friday when we were kind of unpacking the Florida State lawsuit a little bit. And, you know, I was trying to come up with questions where I thought I could kind of engage him a little bit because it's not like the business of college sports is not K-Dad's favorite topic. We all know that. And so I asked him, uh, Virginia Tech kicks a field goal to make it uh, 27-17. I said, so Florida State is the, the team that is filing this lawsuit. They are suing the ACC, but they were one of seven teams that really examined, is there a way to break up this grant of rights? And that group of seven teams included North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Miami. I think Virginia was in that group. There are a couple of others. I don't remember who, who all they were, but those type teams. NC State was in that group. And I asked k I was like, so Florida State's kind of doing the dirty work right now. But are these other teams quietly cheering for Florida State? Are they behind the scenes saying, hey, if there's anything we can do to help, don't hesitate to have your lawyer call our lawyer? Like if we can lend a hand in this. Is that what's going on behind the scenes with those other schools and, and their their mood toward this lawsuit that's being filed? It's got to be, right? Has to be. Because if you're Clemson, I mean, in the next 10 years, your in-state rival, we've talked about this before, but stands to get up to half a billion dollars more than you Mm -hmm. from television revenue? Yeah. Tell a Mississippi State fan, hey, Mississippi State. Ole Miss is going to get half a billion dollars more than you in the next 10 years. What do you think the response would be? Oh, we got to figure out a way to cut the gap. Yep. we we got to do something. We can't just sit here idly. Yeah. And, so, and, and for that scenario to make sense, Mississippi State and Ole Miss would have to not be currently playing in the same conference. True. Because uh, when like, you talk about Clemson, you're talking about Clemson and South Carolina in the same state but in different conferences. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, it's the school in the lesser of the two conferences that has had significantly more recent success than the school in the more well-to-do conference in this scenario. So the team that's winning is getting paid less. The team that's a national brand, not to say South Carolina isn't, but you get my point that Clemson's got more cachet nationally mm-hmm. than South recently. Carolina does recently for sure and, and they're stuck there so um and and it ties in all the other stuff that people are complaining about too right because the only way you can rein in the annual transfer I think I mean t- tell me if there's another way you can do this the only way you can do it is by contracts that's the only way because the courts are going to say if they're just regular students regular students can transfer as much as they want so the athletes mm-hmm. have to as well That's what a court is going to say. The NCAA can implement transfer rules, and they're going to lose because they'll get sued over them. So the only way you can do that is by contracts. Well, how do you create contracts? You create this quote-unquote super league in football and 
get the guys under contract. Uh, Patrick Mahomes can't just say, thanks, Chiefs, I'm going to go play for the Dolphins. They look fun. And then I'll spend a year in Miami. And, you know, I liked Miami, but I really like Southern California. I'm going to go play for Sean McVay. Can't do that because he's under contract. That's the only way. But theoretically, you could do that right now. Let's say you're a superstar quarterback out of high school. You go, you don't play your first year. You decide to stay put. You get developed well. You're on a team that has a great season and wins a conference championship. Maybe doesn't win a national championship, wins a conference championship, and you play really, really well. But the team that you are on has got a whole bunch of older guys that either get drafted or run out of eligibility. And so next year doesn't look so attractive. So what do you do? Well, you go find a new spot. Let me go find a spot next year where the team's going to be really, really good. And you do that, and that team goes through the same thing. I mean, you, you could theoretically do that two or three or four times over the course of your eligibility. The other thing that we talked about some last week that is just starting to bubble a bit is if the NCAA says they are not employees, and we have heard the NCAA in court go, no, they are not the employees. And therefore the judge was like, well, then why are they having non-competes? Right? I mean, that, that that's yep. why we're okay. They can transfer wherever. But why, why under the same rules can you say, well, why are you limiting their eligibility to four years? Mm-hmm. And And... We had fun with this conversation last week, Borky. Was all right. So you've got good quarterback, but not great quarterback. And 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 I think we ended up using Will Rogers as the example. Say Will Rogers not an NFL quarterback, really good college quarterback, especially when he's in the right system. What's to keep Will Rogers from staying in school for four or five more years, getting a couple of master's degree, maybe working on a PhD? and continuing to play football while being paid a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. As long as he is seeking a degree and he is academically eligible, why is it that the NCAA or schools can say, well, after four years, plus your COVID year, plus any medical red shirts, you're done. You're not allowed to play anymore. Because regular students can stay in school forever. Shout out Van Wilder. (laughs) I mean... Could that be coming? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, re- rewind two decades. 1997. Stuart Patridge was not a future NFL quarterback. He was a good college quarterback at Ole Miss, played with a lot of grit. Now, I guess the Romero-Miller era was set to begin. But if you didn't have one of the best passers in the history of the state of Mississippi, ready to take over that role? Why not a couple of more years for a tough, gritty Mississippi kid like Stuart Patridge? Just playing ball. Ah, get an MBA. Get another master's degree. Get paid well. Communication system is a go. go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
Josh brings up an interesting question on the ceasefire text line. 601-879-4395. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at PearlRiverResort.com. All right, so Josh, your question to me is an example of a question that spawns about a hundred more questions. So here's what Josh said. If athletes become employees, the first thing they will do is form a union. Well, you're probably right. Every professional sports league has a players' union. You've got the Major League Baseball Players' Union. You've got the NFL Players' Union, the NBA Players' Union. And we are conditioned, especially in a right-to-work state like Mississippi, to be like, oh, unions. And, by the way, I am pro-right-to-work. But, in professional sports, think about what having a union means and what it might mean in college sports. It means collective bargaining is now on the table. And are we sure that that's what the players want? If they become employees, they form a union, and therefore we have collective bargaining. So, what are we talking about here? Well, first of all, question number one is, is this football only? Or is this a college athletes union? Because that's two very different questions. Mm -hmm. That's two very different questions. Now, if you are a football player, you better hope that it's a football-only deal. Because if everybody gets rolled in to a college athletes union, Mr. Football Player, your slice of the pie is going to be the exact same size as the slice of the pie that your tennis player colleagues get and your golfer colleagues get and your basketball colleagues get and your baseball and softball colleagues get and your equestrian colleague like oh everybody's gonna get the same slice of the pie because if you collectively bargain there are gonna be rules in place and everybody's gonna get taken care of now if somehow football breaks away, and this is football only, in some football super league, where all of the other sports stay under the umbrella of the NCAA, but football operates on its own, okay, so now you can negotiate as just football players. All right, so what revenue are you negotiating? Are you negotiating football-only revenue? Are you negotiating media rights revenue? Are you negotiating for a slice of the revenue for the entire athletics department? Like, like, what's the plan? What percentage of the revenue are you willing to land on? For reference, NFL players. NFL players, the most valuable athletes in sports get 48.5% of the revenue generated by the league. Of all revenue generated or of football revenue? So for the NFL, obviously, it's it's all revenue. Okay. 
Because the isn't the NBA basketball related revenue? I, I don't I don't know the NBA's. I know theirs is fifty fifty, but I don't know what the split is. But so 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 all of this stuff matters. You're not getting forty eight percent of all revenue generated. Nope. Like the NFL gets. You're not valuable like them. So so let's say that um, let's say that you settle on on thirty percent. And the total revenue on average across all of the Division I football programs is $50 million for football only. Now, you got some that are way more than that, right? Alabama's revenue number, and I'm doing this off memory, don't hold me to this number, $78 million. Texas may be in the $100 million range, somewhere in there. And maybe I'm off on those numbers. But let's just say across... If we have 65 teams in this Super League, that the average is $50 million for football-only revenue. And you get 30%. Okay, you're talking about $15 million of that of that 50. All right, so how's that distributed? Everybody get an equal piece? Or does the quarterback get more? Is the individual school able to decide how they want to compensate different players within that structure, like a professional model. and or, or are we operating with socialism? No, it wouldn't go down like that. It shouldn't, anyway. At least I don't think so. But in that scenario, because you would collectively bargain, what would have to happen to do it right is the numbers would be public. We know how much Dak Prescott makes and Josh Allen and yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Right. Every player on every NFL roster, you can... Punch it into the Google machine and figure out to the dollar what they are making. All right, so we get a, a message from a listener, longtime listener, who says, I'm in a union. You're paid by your title. Unfortunately, all that share your title make the same amount regardless of work ethic. Okay, so does that mean we're going to settle on dollar amounts based on position? Do it. So the quarterback is worth $2 million, period. No, do it just like the NFL. Let it be at the team's discretion. Mm. Okay. We get another minute. Wow, this discussion opens up a big can of worms. That's my point. And I don't want to I don't want this to be a boring discussion about it's 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 yes, this is Pandora's box. It's the can of worms. It's if you say something like Josh and Laurel said, if athletes become employees, the first thing they will do is form a union. Okay. Then what? Then they then, have to bargain. Then, then we start talking about, okay, so what about health care? Does the cost of health care for players while they are on teams factor into that revenue discussion? If that 30% of revenue that is going to players has to cover everything that they get, does their health care come out of that 30%? All right, well, all of a sudden, $15 million is not as big a number as it was just a second ago. Does the training table come out of that? Does uh, massage therapy and um, uh, chiropractic therapy come out of that? Does tutoring come out of that? So, so are all of the expenses that are currently being paid by athletics departments, all of that's on the table. Yeah, and your point's a good one. Well, you, you said it a, a little while ago. The players 
think that they want that, but they probably don't. And by the time they realize they don't, it'll be too late. Because NFL players have to, and again, they're so much more valuable than college players. I mean, the NFL generates billions of dollars a year in revenue. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you guys know this. NFL players are far more valuable. They have to concede things all the time in their negotiations. They make concessions all the time. They didn't want the 17th game. They did not want to play another game. But they had to. Why did they have to? Because they had to concede in negotiations. Mm-hmm. So the college hey, players... Hey, you know, who, you know who always wins, by the way? The money? The man. The, boy, the, the, the man the always wins. The owner. It may be protracted. It may be disappointing. You're going to have a strike during college football season? You're going to have holdouts? And there are all kinds of problems if we go down this road. I'm not saying we can't go down it, and I'm not saying it won't get fixed. But if we go down this road, these are the things that the parts of professional sports that we don't like Mm -hmm. get introduced into college sports. But that is how you get control back, though. That's how you get... I mean, college athletes are adults. They, They can vote. A lot of them can consume alcohol. That they could go serve in the military. They're adults. Uh, th- they are legal adults. They have not been told no since when? It's been a minute. Everything that college athletes want, they get everything. Maybe it's time for them to get told no once or twice. But the Maybe. only way to do that, I think the only way to do that is going down this road and you can get the portal back under control and you don't have to scholarships. If I were a college football player, not at Alabama, I would fight to keep a scholarship. If I'm at Tulane, if I'm the representative from Tulane, how about Stanford? How about Duke? Yeah. How about Vanderbilt? Hey guys, no, no, hold on. I want to keep my scholarship. I'm not Ohio state's quarterback. I'm not getting a million bucks. I'm getting nothing. I'm just happy to be here. Don't you dare take my scholarship from me. There's a lot more of those guys than the Ohio State quarterback. You know what? You know what? This is the part that nobody wants to admit, but that scholarship still has value. A lot of it. You get that diploma after playing football at, you know, State University. Fill in the state. You are more hireable. You have skills. You have been part of a team. You have name recognition. All of that stuff matters in the real world. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. This conversation could go in circles and circles and circles for hours. So we'll try to put a bow on it here because there's some other stuff happening. In the NFL, for example, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Chase in Columbus. When they start paying the players, the universities and, quote, the man, close quote, will immediately pull tuition, room and board, etc. The brass isn't in the business of giving away money. He goes on to say, 
Politics plays on the weak and the uneducated. The greenlit NIL without a plan, and now are they greenlit NIL without a plan? And now they're realizing that toothpaste doesn't go back into the tube and college football as we know it is done. Not that it won't be good and isn't good now, but as we know it, it's over. And I think that's probably important to remember. College football is not going away. We will still have the games. And the games will still be played by young men who are wearing the colors of the university that we support. And as long as they're in your colors, you love them. And if they leave, well, maybe you got some fond memories, but the lifelong attachment is not there like it once was. Harry Harrison, being the color analyst on the Ole Miss Radio Network for 22 years, 20 years, in a tenure that began. 30 years after he finished playing and everybody remembering who he was because he was an All-American from the state of Mississippi and played at the end of the Coach Vault era, et cetera. Like, like that is just like, yeah, maybe he's the analyst on the radio, but it's because he's good at analyzing football and, yeah, he went to your school for a little while. Like that lifelong attachment. And I, Harry's just the first name that popped into my head. That won't exist. You say that, but, I mean, I, I follow the NFL closely. Uh, I mean, Deuce McAllister still is a legend uh, around yes. New Orleans. He stayed with one team his entire he career, did. though, Borky. But you've Joe got, Montana's still a legend in San Francisco. I mean, you, you've got that phenomenon, even in a league where, where guys move around sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it, it's still there. I mean, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste today, the, the Ole Miss linebacker, played at Ole Miss for one year. Right, and, and so most fans may not remember him in the same way they remember a four-year guy, but at his press conference today, he said that, that Obis has changed his life forever, I think was the exact quote that he wow. used. So, you know, in a year, you can still have that. Uh, it's it's going to feel different for sure. But there are guys in professional sports that play for a team for a long time and whether or not, like, like Demario Davis hasn't been a saint forever, but he's a, I mean, he was with the Jets. But, and if he now had that, he's kind of at the end of his career. If the team were to decide to move on from him, let him yeah. get a payday somewhere else and, and draft younger, I love Demario Davis forever. I mean, he can put on a Falcons uniform next year and I won't care because he's just a joy to watch and an incredibly classy and humble guy off the field. So right, right, right. It, it's still there. It's just, it's not the same though. It is certainly well, and, not the same. And, and Borky, who, who's going to remember Jalen Hurts more fondly? Alabama fans or Oklahoma fans? Alabama. I mean, Oklahoma may try to claim him. Played really, really well. Yeah, former Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts. Yeah. He's the guy that got benched, didn't pout, didn't whine, went to work every day, came in and became the hero. Who's going to claim Jackson Dart, Southern Cal or Ole Miss? Ole Miss. Obviously Ole Miss. Um, it is different, though, because there's that Sam caveat. Hartman. Who's getting Sam Hartman? Wake Forest says that he's ours. Notre Dame can play a sappy video on their video board for him, but Sam Hartman's our guy. Not Notre Dame. And he wasn't even that good at Notre Dame. He was much better at Wake Forest. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, interesting times. 
It, very, very interesting times. It it is weird, but I, I do agree with you completely. The, the players, if they want to, if they want to be professionals, which is what they're becoming, they're not going to like what being a professional is. Because look look Some, at the facilities. They'll be good, also. I mean, they'll be good from it. Yeah, but you're not going to have your putt putt course and your DJ booth in your facility anymore. No, no more of those, buddy. We've already been told, even by players, that stuff doesn't matter. It it doesn't. But that's not going to happen anymore. I mean, look, look at NFL facilities versus – and take the Cowboys out of it. That, that's different. But, I mean, your average Power the 5 The Tennessee college, Titans practice in a bubble. Mm-hmm. They have an outdoor practice facility and a bubble for when the weather's bad. Yep. So do the Houston Texans. The, the Saints have an indoor practice facility, which is the most generic indoor field you've ever seen. And they have a locker room. And they, they, they only have exactly what they need, mm-hmm. and that is it. All that goes away in college. And maybe that's okay. It's probably for the best, frankly. I don't think they need DJ booths in facilities. I think if you want to do no, that, the you can. shop. I just wonder if any of the barbershops have ever actually been used. It's a good question. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. One hour in the books, 4 o'clock hour coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, Wednesday afternoon, the 27th of December, and we are in the middle of the bowl season that, according to some, doesn't matter. But for those of us that love college football, we love every second of it. Going to start the 4 o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Always excited to visit with my dear friend, Brett Norsworthy. You may know him as Stats Norsworthy. He is um, on the radio on Sports 56 WHBQ in Memphis at the exact same time we are every day. But Brett is smart. He keeps those vacation days for the end of the year. And so a day or two before Christmas, more times than not, Brett's able to shut it down through the end of the year. And, Brett, you got guys like me who are like, man, I sure do wish I had a day off. But (laughs) it's not exactly like we're slaving away in the salt mines here either. Uh, So good to visit with you, my friend. What's up? Doing good, Richard. Uh, Happy New Year. I know you had a great Christmas with your wonderful family and Really glad to be with you. I'm already in Atlanta. I'm ready to start the bowl season. And, Richard, you, you, you bring it up about the bowl season, and we're at a real kick point, I, I, I fear, with the bowls. They do matter to me. If they don't matter to somebody else, that's their business. But what I, what I do love is uh, all the people that say they don't matter. I tell you they'll matter if the SEC goes 2-7. and seven. Yeah, and, and people will be quick to point that out as well. I will say this. Bowl season is supposed to be a reward. I'm not sure how big of a reward Annapolis, Maryland, with 50 degrees and pouring rain is. But I tell you what, for those Virginia Tech fans that have piled into Navy Marine Corps Stadium, it looks like they're having the time of their life. It does look like they're having a good time, but they may need a boat there at the Naval Academy. It is a biblical rain right now. 
in Annapolis, one of the you know one of the best looking great towns in the country, and that that beautiful beautiful campus and what they do. But right now, it, it, it is made for the Naval Academy, and Tulane season is kind of coming undone a little bit. You know that that was the game. I thought the day that Ole Miss beat Tulane, Ole Miss really found something that day. And Coach Lane Kiffin said after the game, he didn't think Ole Miss would, would have won that kind of game last year. And I think I, I know he was right. I know he knows his football team better than better than I do. And late in that game, yes, it was to Ole Miss's advantage with Michael Pratt out of that game, no doubt about it. But the backup that had been pretty effective through most of the first half here was real good that day, and finally got some things going in that game, and you know had a had a had a circus catch and had a scoop and score and got out of a you know really sultry hot game with a win. But Tulane's having a tough time today. But that was a good win for the Rebels back back in week two. And, and Richard, so many people that want want to say the bowls don't matter. I love that they're going to say that, and, and, and you almost can't convince them otherwise. And I don't even try anymore. But they're going to say the bowls don't matter. But so many of those people wanted to tell you how much September mattered in college football when SEC was either really down or perceived as being down. And when Colorado was the darling of the entire college football season. Yeah. It was like a long time ago. I keep keep watching all these bowl games, and I never see Coach Prime's score go across the bottom of the screen. It hasn't happened. Uh, hasn't happened yet. Maybe next year. I want to ask okay, you this, before we so. really dive in. Before we really dive into the Peach Bowl and, and Ole Miss, I want to ask you a big picture question. Uh, you said a second ago, kick point for college football in the bowl games. Do you believe that college football is in a healthy place right now? And, and I know there are about a million directions you could go with the answer to that question. But overall, is college football, which we all adore, is it in a healthy place? I think it is, Richard. I do. I really do. And I always have been very optimistic about the future, and I am now. It is in a very different place than it's ever been, and it's hard for a lot of people to adjust to, especially people kind of of my vintage. I'm for the player empowerment. I'm for the player liberation and freedom. And I hear people say, well, yeah, but we need some guardrails. We need some, you know, we, we, we need some buffers. What part of liberation and freedom do you not get? When when the wall came down uh, uh, in, in, in Germany, they didn't know. Wait a second, we we got to have some we got to have some guardrails. We got to have some buffers. No, what part of freedom and liberation do you not get? I love it for the player. the The sport is a wash in money, and if you don't believe college football is strong, a week ago Tuesday night, the NBA had John Morant in his first game back, one of their quintessential superstars, one of their branding stars, and he is, and a great player, and I love to go watch play. But they had him in his first game back in New Orleans against Zion Williamson on TNT, the 18th for TNT there to cover the game. Zion versus Ja, Pelicans are having a good year. Michael Borky's going to be pleased come playoff time because I think they'll make a, a, a good run or maybe even a deep run. It drew 1.6 million viewers. The Cure Bowl, and I dare anybody right now that can tell me who was in the Cure Bowl, drew 1.9 million viewers. The Cure Bowl beat the NBA that night. I mean, I think that kind of says it all. College football is definitively, now it's not covered this way. You and I have had this conversation. It is not covered this way, 
But the fans have definitively spoken, and it is the second most popular sport in the United States of America, and it's not really close. Richard, it's not close, and you know you are arguing with a crazy man that tries to tell you any differently. Now, look, the NFL is in another galaxy. The the, the separation between one and two is massive. I, 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 it's, it, it's impossible to quantify. But number two is college football, and it's a pretty healthy spread between three and whatever you want to fight out for, for, for what is three. Uh, b- baseball, some years, will be right there and maybe have a little better postseason and viewing. And then other years, the NBA has it. But the, the, the degree of coverage by some of the main TV carriers, it's why I love and why I think college football is in such a healthy condition. I love what the Big Ten has done, really, from sea to shining sea with member institutions and also all the networks. There was a point this year on college football where about every single Saturday night you had a feature game on ABC, NBC, Fox, ESPN, and even the CW. And even the CW. Yeah, we, we've got it. And, and and everybody wants it because it's it's the it's reality TV that's not scripted. You know, you, you don't have to go off to a to an island. You don't have to put twenty strangers in a house trying to kiss the same guy or girl. Yeah, you just line up and play ball and people love it. And, and people love it and, and, and the reality I bet you of love it. reality TV, don't you, Brett? Uh, you know I've never watched a single solitaire second of it. But but I, I, I know of those shows in sports. It is the best reality. And, Richard, you know the two things that draw me to sports. Number one, the competition. I'm better than you. I can beat you. I can run faster than you. I, I can make a three on a par four, and you can only make a four. I like the competition first. And then the emotion, the emotion of college football that you can you can get within two miles of the stadium and the hair stands up on the back of your neck, or for me, all four hairs on the top of my head. <laughs> Visiting with Brett Norsworthy, Sports 56, WHBQ in Memphis, pregame and postgame on the Ole Miss Sports Network from Learfield. Uh, he will be at it bright and early on Saturday when Ole Miss and Penn State, SEC Big Ten, kick off from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That uh, will be a 9 a.m. Central Time airtime. Brett will be opening the doors to the stadium at like 5.45. He'll be the first one there. Uh, <laughs> I, we all know that. I want to ask you this, and then I want us on the, on the other side of the break to, uh, to kind of unpack this game a little bit and maybe get some thoughts on some other SEC teams as well. Sure. Pete Golding. Um, Brett, you follow Ole Miss more closely than, than any other team in the SEC, uh, but Alabama's there as well, and it's because of the history of the game, and it's because you've got family ties to that program under Nick Saban. Pete Golding, how do you quantify what he has meant to this Ole Miss team this year and what you think he is going to mean to this Ole Miss program going forward? We've only seen the tip of the iceberg, Richard. It's just what you know. Wait until he gets just player after player after player that he's used to. That he's used to coaching. That's what he wants to coach, and the confidence that his boss, Coach Lane Kiffin, that he has in Coach Golding. You know, the two previous defense coordinators at Ole Miss under Coach Kiffin. I think we're mighty fine guys and really good football coaches. But you can just feel the symmetry with these two. And I think it started on opening day. Really, opening day gave us kind of a window to the soul of the year. 
Trey Harris, you know, marched right down the field. Trey Harris, who, you know, a lot of people didn't even know about, is showing what he can do. Ole Miss goes up 7 nothing. Kicks off, spot at the 25. F- first play for Mercer, they go 75. <laughs> untouched. I mean, just the, the, the Red Sea parted. And after the game, you know, Coach Kiffin needling Coach Golding and, and, and how, how Coach Golding would accept it. And, and, and I made the point, after that play, the rest of the day, I don't think they, Mercer had 80 yards the rest of the day. And really, the rest of the year, Coach Golding's team, I, I thought it played really above itself most of the year. It's going to have to Saturday against Penn State because, you know, Penn State, the, the first thing they're going to do is come out and try to mash Ole Miss, try to play bully ball. And we really didn't face a team all year that did that. Now, Georgia hit us by land, by air, by sea. They did it every way you can do it. But nobody really just lined up and said, we're going to make you like it. And, and you know, Arkansas did a year Brett, ago. Brett, hold that, hold that thought for me. We're up against a, a hard time break. Quick timeout. More with Brett Norsworthy after this on Sports Talk Mississippi. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi. We're back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book, the Golden Moon Casino. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Along those lines, Penn State is a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Mercedes-Benz Stadium this Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff on ESPN. Brett Norsworthy. Uh, from Sports 56, WHBQ, and the Ole Miss Sports Network from Learfield, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Brett, why, why is Penn State favored in this game? I, I think probably because what they did uh, to everybody not named Ohio State and Michigan, they really put it on a lot of teams, and we're going to see how good the Big Ten is. I know it's hard to get a real gauge anymore for a conference superiority, supremacy at this time of year with so many opt-outs and, and things like that. But I, I think Penn State will do what they do best, what they've done historically, from Rip Engel to Coach Joe Paterno to now, now we, we even did it with Bill O'Brien, you know, to now what they're trying to do with, with James Franklin. They're going to line up and try to run the ball, and it's never been a quarterback school. You can't think of many kind of the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks at Penn State. They've had good ones. Kerry Collins was really good. I think Trace McSorley was really good. And Chuck Pacina was really good. Todd Black Todd was Blackledge. really good. Yeah, but but when but when you think Penn State, you think pounding that rock, and that's what they're going to want to do. Uh, Fifty years ago, their only Heisman Trophy winner was John Capaletti. Uh, Fifty years ago, in nineteen seventy three, but Franco Harris and Lydell Mitchell, Saquon Barkley, Kurt Warner, Blair Thomas, just th- those names. They're, they're going to want to run the power play, and Ole Miss is going to, have to bow up and stop it. And then I think Ole Miss has got to put a lot of pressure on Drew Auer, who I think is good, but very much in kind of that functionary Penn State quarterback role. All right, so let me ask you this, though. You, you say they want to pound it. Is that a function of their offensive line, or is that Catron Allen? Because they don't have a Curtis Enos. They don't have a Napoleon Kaufman back there at running back. No, they don't, but they're not. Very, I don't think they're very talented at wide receiver. If, if Ole Miss can get them in, you know, in second and ten and third and seven and make the quarterback try to beat them from the pocket, I think it could be a real, a real, real good day for Ole Miss and Richard. One thing about being, and I am very excited about this Peach Bowl, because we know this, Richard, you were there. 
It's impossible. It is virtually impossible for Ole Miss to play worse in this Peach, Peach Bowl than they did against TCU. I don't. I have no recollection of what you're talking about. I, I was not there. I don't remember it. I don't actually think it happened. We, we, we really did all try to, uh, uh, to, to, to just almost black out a little bit. You know it's tough when our Ridges Bank play of the game was the 42-yard field goal from Gary Wonderly. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was not a red letter day for, uh, for Ole Miss. This one feels different. And, and okay, so back to what we talked about a second ago with bowl season and some people don't care. Some teams don't care as much as other. It feels like there's a high level of buy-in on both sides. Ole Miss with the, the Cedric Johnson opt out. We, we know that. And you got Spencer Sanders academically ineligible. Chop Robinson opting out of the game for, for Penn State. Outside of that, both squads are, it appears at least, and there are a couple of question marks for Penn State. They're kind of uh, James Franklin, the shady guy that he is, kind of keeping it close to the vest. But it looks like these are two teams that are really excited about playing in this game. It, it feels like it. It feels like both these coaches are very engaged because both of them get a lot of the same noise. Okay, as I just said, Penn State beat everybody but the big two, Ohio State and Michigan. You know, newsflash, not many people are beating Ohio State and Michigan. We, at Ole Miss, we know who Ole Miss lost to, Alabama and Georgia. A lot of people lost to those teams. Both those coaches, I would imagine, are probably tired of hearing that signature win bogus stuff. I mean, when they both have racked up win after win, and, and, and for Lane Kiffin to do it at a place that historically hadn't been as easy to do it at as Penn State has been. Yeah. Ceasefire text line. Y'all talk with Brett for the rest of the day. He is a joy to listen to. Thought I'd pass that one along <laughs> for you. Thank uh, you okay. It's fun. You and I got to do this a lot for uh, for a lot of years, just kind of talking college football and uh, specifically getting ready for Ole Miss games. I certainly missed being with you this year, but have enjoyed listening. Um, what is the area, Brett, or is there an area where you look at the matchup position group on one side of the ball versus the other side of the ball, and you go, Ole Miss has a decided advantage here. Pitching it and catching it. I, I mean, I, I want to see dart short, dart intermediate, dart deep, and then and then here comes Quinshawn Judkins, almost antithetical to what you know I really believe about football, almost the pass to set up the run. You come out and you, you, you get things going early, and I love when dart gets it going early, just kind of hitting that slant. Get, you know, getting that, getting that 11, 12 yards and then, and then feed Quinshawn Judkins and the, the Ole Miss offensive line that play. I think it's best game of the year against this Penn State front. Brett, you live in a, uh, in a college football, or I say work, live in, work in a college football melting pot in, in Memphis. Obviously there are Memphis fans that, that live in Memphis. But you got Ole Miss fans and Arkansas fans and Tennessee fans, and then because of the influence of FedEx, people from all over the country who are fans of, of different programs and, and different teams. Have you kind of among all of those different groups, can you remember a time where people were as excited about the following year? specifically for Ole Miss, or as many other programs were talking about Ole Miss football next year before this year is even over, and I don't mean in the air quotes, wait till next year sense. No, I, I, I don't remember it. 
and a win Saturday would even take it to another level that we hardly can imagine. We do a segment every day called Big Number of the Day, and I haven't added it up yet, but I'm going to. And mine next Tuesday, regardless of the outcome Saturday, but especially with a win, I'm going to count up the number of days until the Furman game, and that's going to be by Big Number of the Day. And all summer, it will be it, it will be like countdown to you know the, to the Super Bowl for Ole Miss fans because this year at Ole Miss, this was my 16th year, uh, so so honored and so proud to be a, a part of this broadcast team and with this great university. It was the single most fun year of football I've ever been around. The style that we won in, you know, that down nine with six minutes to play against LSU and win that game, you know, to win down on the plains to. To have the, the the narrow wins over Arkansas and Texas A and M, and then Thanksgiving night, you know, the the really tough game against Mississippi State, and I love people that don't really appreciate the what goes into an Egg Bowl and the Iron Bowl. Everybody talks about the the Iron Bowl and what New Mexico State did to Auburn the week before. It's a different day when it's Iron Bowl Saturday. It's a different night when it's Thanksgiving night and it's the Egg Bowl. Brett, I, I think one of the reasons that you and I enjoyed working together was because we were different, right? Our, our, our viewpoint's a little bit different. We come at it from a, a different place in life. We, we both love college football, but for different reasons. I did, for a number of years, what you did this year, which was talk to Lane Kiffin in the locker room after the game. And our interview styles are a little bit different. But I listened to a number of those this year, and I thought you had some great moments with Lane Kiffin. Is is there a post-game moment that stands out for you this year talking to him immediately after a game? Yeah, and I hope I don't violate, you know, kind of privacy here, but I I think I can tell it. It was it was after the LSU game, come you know, having that comeback and that feeling and he comes in and you you know how very flatliner he wants to consistently keep it at. He doesn't want he doesn't want people, you know, jumping around and jumping in his arms and things like that. And I said, great win, Coach. And he said, don't make it about me. Make it about these players when we get back and we start rolling. And he said, I want to make it about my players that have worked so hard. I, I, you know, we're, we're seeing Lane Kiffin in, in, in full bloom. We're getting the, the best Lane Kiffin, the best coaching version of him. And, and, you know, the idea of him coming in and goes, don't make it about me. Make it about my team. I just think says a lot. And that I, that was one of my favorite moments of the year. You always do score predictions. Give me yours for the uh, for the Peach Bowl. Ole Miss, Penn State coming up on Saturday, one of the New Year's Six Bowl games, second in three years for Ole Miss. Who you got? Why would it be any different? It would be, I think, in wild style and keep the TV viewers all day. It would be heart-pounding for all of us. But Caden Davis, who all years had a great year kicking, field uh, goal at the buzzer, 27-24 revs, 11 wins. Ooh. Oh, field goal at the buzzer and and relatively low scoring, 27-24, that qualifies in today's college football as as fairly low scoring. It it, it does, and I think there's still room for a 27-24 game. And you got to remember the Egg Bowl, that was 17-7, and that was the first time Ole Miss had won by that score since 2008 when Houston Nutt beat Senator Tuberville in Oxford 17-7. Well, Brett, we will have uh, plenty to discuss if Ole Miss wins it on a field goal at the buzzer at dinner on Saturday night. Can't wait for that. Happy New Year to you. Thanks so much for joining us. You got it. Anytime, Richard. Thank you. Brett Norsworthy, Sports 56, WHBQ in Memphis.
and the pregame and postgame host on the uh, Ole Miss Sports Network alongside Gary Darby from Learfield. That was a lot of fun. Uh, dear friend and uh, fun to catch up with him. Hard to do sometimes with guys that work in the exact same time slot as us. We're back to the Pearl River Resort Studio after this with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mayo Bowl is underway. Charlotte, North Carolina. Bigger crowd today for West Virginia and North Carolina, certainly than the last time the uh, Carolina Panthers played in that stadium. How about a 75-yard house call on the opening play of the game for the Mountaineers? Woo! That's how you start a ball game, Borky. Wow, I'm just now seeing it. North Carolina's defense has been pathetic for a couple of years now. Little play action, good protection, let the route develop, deep post drag behind the defense, run away from everybody. Wow. Love West Virginia's helmets. The incorporating the shape of your state into your uniforms is always a good decision. Like, especially here. We, Better we decision than state flag sometimes, Maryland. Yeah, shout out Maryland. Although we've got one now that needs to start getting incorporated, but... The the outline of Mississippi, like Mississippi is a really cool state, like the outline shape of it. And I know you've got it in some things uh, around here. It needs to be everywhere, all over the place. Slap the outline of the South state Carolina on all kinds of stuff. Well. They do that really well. Yeah. Like I know South it's on Carolina basketball does a court really and good stuff, job but... with state branding. Yeah. In Mississippi State, I don't think they've got it on the new court, but in the uh, on the last basketball court, they had what was it? Every county, yeah, in the uh, in the state of Mississippi, stenciled all the way around. That was cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. But I'm talking like that, on helmets. There were a lot of people that were like fine with that going away. I, I thought that was like neat. That yeah, was a cool feature. Yeah, but slap it on your helmets. Have it on an alternate baseball uniform. Uh, really go wild with it. We've got a cool looking state. Use it. Mike on the uh, C Spire text line. Yesterday I said Georgia would be minus 20 at kickoff. I'm going to revise that to minus 23. The line was about 14. I'm sorry, it was 14 about noon yesterday. 16 and a half during the show. 17 and a half by midnight. And now it is at 19. Money is pouring in on the Georgia Bulldogs and they can't move the line fast enough. What a joke that game is. Uh, I mean, there's a so, chance. So you're telling me if you got it at 15, you're in you're, like, you're, you're a place you want to be? At least the gambling trends tell you that's the case. But if Georgia has a couple of op, more opt-outs like people are expecting, like I don't think Brock Bowers made the trip, for example, so he hadn't officially opted out. But Yeah. Who, by the way, the Saints were projected to pick him. Uh, yes, please. But In which case, Brock, I really would appreciate it if you would – Opt out. Please opt out, Mr. Bowers. I I would thank you for that. But 
By the way, uh, North Carolina going with freshman Connor Harrell at quarterback. 6'1", 205-pound freshman out of Alabaster, Alabama. He was the uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in 2021 in uh, the the Yellowhammer State. If that guy's 205 pounds, then I'm 105 pounds. He's tiny. You're not. He's a, he's a skinny little guy. Hey, I've seen two plays, three if you count the opening kickoff. I know one team wants to be there. I don't know if both teams want to be there, but I know West Virginia wants to be there. Oh, man, yeah, that, that gang tackle right there. They're fired up. That's so I, cool. I interrupted. You were talking. I don't That's know okay. what you were saying. No, the, the Orange Bowl's a joke. I mean, there, there's a chance by the time the game starts that combined, there's over 40 players opting out of that game. Mm-hmm. What a joke that is. And, and you know, how about if you're going to that game? Seriously, and, and that's that's really what I'm thinking of uh, when it comes to this game. The, the, the volume of opt-outs in the Orange Bowl with, with Georgia and Florida State. You know who loses in that? The fans. You're asking fans to spend a lot of money after Christmas, by the way. And uh, let, let my bank account tell you that uh, you, you spend a lot of money for my one child on Christmas. So you got a lot of people that just spend a ton of money on their families and friends and spouses on Christmas. You're asking them to go to this bowl game where 40 or more players have opted out because it's, mm-hmm. quote, meaningless. And that, that's what we talked about it earlier in the show. But that's what's getting lost in all of this this discussion. And it's happening at the pro sports level, too, uh, with, with the Fanatics deal. Fanatics has a monopoly on the apparel of pro sports, and they're pricing middle and lower class people out of having T-shirts for their team. They're getting so expensive. And they're garbage and... So, so the average fans getting priced out of sports at every level, and here they are again. Not, not only are they getting priced out of a game like this, you're not even trying to play in this game, and you're you're going to get people spending thousands of dollars to go to this game to watch the third stringers. Borky, we have a message on the ceasefire text line that I can never unsee. 601-879-4395. Mississippi looks like Bart Simpson. Yeah, but he's got the spiky top of his head, yeah, and we're really we're flat on top. Yeah. Yeah. But when you put them side by side, it's like the shape's there. Uh, David says, Duty Noble has an area with every county that is listed. I don't guess I knew that they had done that at the uh, baseball stadium as well. Um, but that, that is what's getting lost uh, on all of this. I, I saw a, a video of Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony was talking about playing on Christmas Day with Kobe Bryant. And, and I wish I could play it for you. He used colorful language. I can't. But Kobe Bryant playing for the other team, right? Like his opponent was yelling at Carmelo Anthony on a Christmas Day NBA game because he wasn't playing hard enough. Kobe Bryant was telling him to lock in because we need to put on a show. That's what people came here for, and you're not playing hard enough. We have... And and how many players in the history of the NBA could do that? (laughs) Very very few. Maybe like three others. I mean, Kobe could do that. MJ could do that. 
It, the list it, is short. But that mentality is completely gone in sportsmen. It, it's totally gone. You, th- there, there's a reason that all of Florida State and Georgia, uh, why they have their scholarships, why they have their NIL money, why they play in the best facilities in the world. It's because of the fans. And nobody cares about the fans anymore. And it's that way in professional sports, too. Speaking of the NBA, you've got players sitting out for rest on the second night of a back-to-back. But back when Kobe played, he was yelling at an opponent for not trying hard enough. We need more Kobe's, man. The fans pay the bills. The fans do everything. And they are now just totally forgotten. Yeah. And fanatics, too. I hate fanatics with a burning passion. They're the worst. Borky... I don't think most players, and frankly, I don't think most coaches, look at it the way you just described it. I, I think, and, and I don't want to paint with too, too broad of a brush here, but I think largely players believe that fans get the privilege of watching them perform as opposed to, oh, no, 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 it's the other way around. We, as players, have the privilege to perform for these fans. And I don't know if it's always been that way. I don't know if it should be or shouldn't be. Bubba says this, people text the show all the time talking about college football being broken. Letting anyone who feels like it just opt out of bowl games is broken. They're robbing the fans of the TV audience. Complete BS, he says. Uh, David also asks, when will the bowls start putting their foot down about the opt-outs? Corporate sponsors as well. I'll tell you when that'll change. Now, should it? Shouldn't it? You can debate that. When there is a financial incentive for players to play in the bowl game. When part of the bowl payout includes a direct payment to the players who participate in the game, the participation rate will go up. Well, it shouldn't. Look, whether it should be or shouldn't be, I'm. You can decide that. When when will it stop? When that happens, you agree? Mm-hmm. That, that, I don't know what that number is. But th- that is the next thing. Uh, yeah, it, it is. I mean, is it $10,000 a player? Is it $25,000 a player? Is it, I mean, yeah, I, I have no idea. Or certain players that, that you want to play? Yeah, and look, man, I was in school with a bunch of guys that played on the football team that weren't necessarily stars. They're scholarship players. Do you know how big a deal it would have been if in addition to their their bowl swag, I mean, the travel money that they got was a big deal. I got this check for 700 bucks, and we carpooled to the game. It was awesome. Can you imagine if they were getting a check for 7000 made out directly to them just because they were on the team? For a lot of guys, that would be a really, really big deal. They'll be back. 
You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Our Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky rocking his uh, printed Genteel quarter zip with the Super Talk logo on there. So we talk all the time about the fact that yeah, you can get Genteel and add it to your closet. You're going to love it. If um, if you're looking for corporate wear, they can they can handle it, right? I mean, they've got great looking stuff, and they can. Embroider your company's logo. You can do bulk orders from, oh, I don't know, 20 to 200. They'll take care of you. Or 2,000 or whatever you need. Um, check them out online. You can find contact information there, and they would be more than happy to do that for you. I got the pants on today, Borky. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, yes, I have pants on every day, but I have my genteel pants on, and these are the gray ones. If you're watching on Super Talk TV, I got my leg hiked up for you. That didn't that just didn't sound how no that to. yeah no. this this really this just went off the rails. Um, it's the uh, the clubhouse pant, and they're really really good. That's all I'm trying to say. I did not choose my words particularly well. Uh, Gentileapparel.com email address ten percent off your order. Boom, just like that. You're gonna love it. Uh, this Garrett Green dude is a little firecracker. The quarterback for West Virginia, he's tiny. They list him at 5'11", buddy. He's not 5'11". He's a tiny little guy, but, man, he's getting up and talking and, I mean, playing hard and taking hits. He's fun. He is. I'm telling you, man, West Virginia's playing fast, and they look fired up to be there. Big crowd. They had to open up some additional sections inside, uh, what is it, Bank of America Stadium? for the West Virginia fans, for the demand for tickets from West Virginia fans. That is not a bowl game that has traditionally had to open up additional sections of the stadium. I like how they lean into their weirdness, though. They're the Mayo Bowl. They're the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl. They just lean right into it. They they had the C... You know how every bowl game has the CEO commercial? Yeah. Theirs was wearing a Mayo, like, mascot... Like, you couldn't see him. He was just a, ma- a jar of mayonnaise mascot in his promo commercial. They lean right in. They're dumping what looks like Neil Brown is going to get a Gatorade bath of mayonnaise after the game. Mm. You're weird. Just be weird. It's great. Dwayne and Brandon, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Richard, my wife, said to model the pants. You just want me to stand up so you can see my pants? I'm will. Uh, uh, for some reason, I feel like Dwayne's not married. Oh come on now! I, I think that he. he, he right. Nah, it's not true. It's not true. Yeah, Dwayne's Dwayne, the best. Yeah, he's he's great. It's just pants, man. But they're like a kind of a darker gray, and they're great. Oh man! Sometimes we get ourselves into trouble, don't we? 
Yeah, sometimes. Just completely unnecessary. Hey, uh... So the Denver Broncos have benched Russell Wilson this week. Yeah, because if they didn't, they were going to owe him like $37 million next year or something crazy like that. And I don't think he'll be in Denver next year. ESPN writes, the biggest decision the Denver Broncos will face this offseason is about quarterback Russell Wilson's future, and they seemed to hint at what's coming by benching him Wednesday in favor of Jarrett Stidham with two games left in the regular season, his five-year, $242.6 million contract carries lots of salary cap pain if he isn't behind center next year. But Sean Payton has been pretty open about not being pleased with the offense. He has one 300-yard passing game this season. That was in a 50-point loss to Miami. Let's be honest, he hates Russell Wilson. You can see it on his face. You can see it in the press conferences. He, he and Russ do not mesh at all. Doesn't like him. It, it is clear as day. He is guaranteed $39 million next season, whether he is with the team or not. But he also has an additional $37 million that becomes guaranteed if he cannot pass a physical in uh, early March. An injury in the last two season, uh, two games of the regular season could potentially trigger that guarantee. And so the Broncos are making it clear they do not want to have to pay for an offseason injury. Because they, they, they don't want him to be their quarterback anymore. No. They're, they're going to be drafting one. Hello, Jaden Daniels. Is Jaden Daniels going to be durable enough for the NFL? It's a good question. He is not a big guy. And especially this year where quarterbacks, I mean, they're they're more protected than they've ever been, and now they're getting more hurt than they've ever been. They're not holding up. It's a massive amount of money that the Broncos are going to have to eat. Yep. And, and deal with in terms of dead money and salary cap and all that. But at some point you have to go, we can't win with this guy, so let's just take the pain and deal with it. College football fix. That's how we start the 5 o'clock hour with you when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices. Plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at 3 on supertalk.fm. The Super Talk Mississippi app. And always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. On Saturday, the Ole Miss football team will look to become the first 11-win team in the 129-season history of Ole Miss football as they make their third-ever appearance in the Peach Bowl and their first since 2014. The Penn State Nittany Lions are facing Ole Miss for the first time in school history. The Rebels are the 33rd different bowl opponent for Penn State. Penn State making its first-ever appearance in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, it's the 16th different bowl game in which the uh, Nittany Lions have played in their 53rd overall bowl appearance. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm 
and Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, the 27th of December. Alongside Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Brian Haydad has the day off. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can book your tee time online. That's dancingrabbitgolf.com, part of Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Remember that the holiday sales event has a few days left, which means great savings for you on the Ford vehicle of your choosing. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So what about this Peach Bowl matchup? One of the things that stands out is Penn State's defense. They finished the regular season leading the country in total defense, just a hair over 223 yards per game allowed. First downs allowed. They gave up 151 of them all year. They gave up an average of 3.91 yards per play. That's best in the country. They averaged four sacks per game, number one in the country, 48 total sacks, also number one, and a school record. Second in the country in rush defense, giving up just a shade under 70 yards per game. Second in the country in tackles for loss, eight and a half of those. Third in pass defense, 153.6. Third in scoring defense, 11.4. Third with 101 total tackles for loss and 12 fumbles recovered. I mean... That's a pretty good defense, Michael Borky. Eight guys with three or more sacks. Those were not Big Ten numbers. No. Those were national numbers. Yeah, eight eight guys with three or more sacks, none of which are Chop. So Chop's been hurt most of the year. He's the the big opt-out, but they've been this productive uh, without him for most of the year. They've been playing really coy with with more opt-outs, by the way, both defensive backs possibly going to opt-out or be on a pitch count even. But don't know that. We won't Which know is a until weird the, concept. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play, play, and if you're not, not. But to play a little, it just kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing. It's kind of making a joke out of it. But that is uh, apparently a possibility. But they, they've had some opt-ins. I mean, their best rush in, absent chop, uh, he's in. Isaac, uh, linebacker that could be an early-round pick, he's in. I mean, it's a highly productive, athletic filled with NFL players' defense. I mean, they kept Ohio State in check for the most part. Uh, I mean, Michigan couldn't throw the ball on them. Now they ran it 23 times in a row or whatever it was, but that's a physical, athletic, really talented defense that is good at every level. I got some nuggets for Ole Miss. Some individual numbers. Some of the Quinshawn Judkins numbers are just silly. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins is one of 
eight rushers in the history of college football at the FBS level and one of just two in SEC history with 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns in both his freshman and sophomore years. <laughs> okay. Um, Trey Harris, the only receiver in the country that had both a 200-yard receiving game and a four-touchdown game. Ole Miss, one of three schools in the country with three 700-yard wide receivers. Trey Harris went for 851 this year, Jordan Watkins for 741, and Dayton Wade for 769. We know that Dayton Wade is not coming back this year, but he is playing in the bowl game. I feel like that kind of got lost in the yeah. in the shuffle a little bit about, oh, he's Dayton Wade, you know, announced that he's going to get ready for the NFL. He's playing in the bowl game for Ole Miss. Yes. And I mean there this is the healthiest. What's crazy about this game, it's the healthiest we're going to see the Ole Miss offense all season. Because remember when the season began, there was no pre-scorn. And then in New Orleans, Harris got hurt. And then Watkins broke his hand. And Williams and Pettis, your two tackles, both got hurt. And now I don't think Pettis is going to play in the game. I was under the impression that's a season-ending injury. But... Um, Williams will be there. This is the healthiest the Ole Miss offense has been all season long. Jackson Dart, you would assume, having a few weeks to heal up his ankle and his non-throwing shoulder, which is something he desperately needed. And they're going to need to be this. I mean, that that offensive line, even with, with Williams playing, is going to be really, really tested. I had somebody uh, say to me that they think that this is like the Texas A&M game. And I thought that's a really good comparison, but Penn State is not near as talented on offense as AM was. Yeah. But that's the kind of defense that you're facing. Talent all over the field. We got the question on the text line is Manny calling the defense? No, uh, he is not. He is off to Duke. Uh, interim coordinators on both sides of the ball for Penn State in this game. Yeah. Because they fired their offensive coordinator and Manny left. Would you care for a fun yet completely meaningless stat? Yes, always. Okay. FBS total offense per game since 2020 means absolutely nothing, but it's still kind of a cool number. Ole Miss has averaged the second most yards per game in all of FBS since 2020. Ohio State is number one at 498.5 yards per game. Ole Miss is 1.1 yards behind them. Ole Miss, since the start of 2020, has averaged 497.4 yards per game. The other three in the top five, North Carolina, Oklahoma, and Alabama. It means nothing, Borky. That stat means absolutely nothing other than Ole Miss has consistently been good on the offensive side of the football for the last four seasons. And they return basically everybody. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. And it, what a contrast uh, to Penn State, too. So, And that's, that's this weird thing that has happened. I, I don't know where it comes from sometimes, but, but if you look at 
all of the numbers, the advanced stats and all that, Ole Miss still has had a remarkably explosive and very efficient offense. And people are like, fire Charlie Weiss and all this stuff. It's like, fire him, why? I mean, because they don't score on every possession? It's, anyway, bizarre. Being critical of the Ole Miss offense, especially considering the injuries they've been up against, when you look at the hard numbers, doesn't really add up. You know, in this case, it's one plus one equaling five instead of two. But um, Ole Miss is an explosive athletic offense with really quality quarterback play. Penn State has some dudes. They're, they're, they'll be physical running the football. Brett was was on to something there early. They're going to try to line up and run right at Ole Miss. They're really good at tight end. His numbers don't tell you he's good, but he's good. He's an NFL guy. Got one receiver that can take the top off, but they just don't have the quarterback that is willing and or able to make that offense as explosive as it possibly could be. Let me go back and give you some context on the Quinshawn Judkins 1,000 yards, 15 touchdowns in back-to-back seasons, freshman, sophomore. You, you want to hear who the other eight guys are that have done that? You want to guess on any of them? No? You don't want to guess? No. Herschel Walker, Marshall Falk, Ron Dane. Ooh, that's a good one. Steve Slayton at West Virginia. Two San Diego State running backs on this list. Also, Ronnie Hillman joining Marshall Falk. Samaje P. Ryan at Oklahoma. Royce Freeman at Oregon. Quinshawn Judkins at Ole Miss. That's the list. Wow. It's pretty impressive. Not pretty. That's your college football fix driven by Ford. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. North Carolina has kind of survived the early onslaught from West Virginia. Mountaineers' 75-yard touchdown pass on their opening play of the game. Uh, moving the ball well. They've had a couple of big runs called back with holds and had a turnover just a moment ago. And now you've got North Carolina knocking on the door. They are at the 10-yard line trailing 7 to nothing, with 10 and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. It was almost like West Virginia might have been just a little too hyped up out of the gate. You see that sometimes? That does happen. I mean, Rocky taught us that, right? Did he? Just absorb the blows and then oh, yeah, yeah. punch back when you tire him out. Um, also, using electric workout equipment is not as good as, you know, running in the snow. So you just said that um, West Virginia is Russian? Hey, have you been to West Virginia? I've seen pictures of Russia, and I've seen what Russian people do on the internet. They are not dissimilar. <laughs> I don't know, man. There are parts of West Virginia that are beautiful. Oh, it's there are parts a that are kind of state. desolate, but there are parts of it that are gorgeous. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, very very little cell service as you're driving through. 
That um, that checks out. That checks out. Uh, yesterday, Lane Kiffin stepped to the podium at the Peach Bowl for his press conference and uh, had some interesting things to say. Was, um, I don't know, at times a little introspective, fairly candid, and then effusive, effusive in his pra- in his praise of um, Penn State quarterback Drew Aller. Here's Lane Kiffin from Atlanta yesterday. Hey, thanks, Matt. Hey, Coach. Good to see you. Uh, just wanted to ask you, obviously, I saw over the last couple of days you had an extension. A lot of that is due to the tremendous work that you've done over the last, you know, several years. So question to you is, I guess, what just puts that fire in your belly or what, you know, keeps your engine going to have this team humming at such a high rate of success? Well, I was, um, I'm very grateful, um, you know, to be hired here in the first place, you know, um, four seasons ago. And, um, you know, to get an extension, um, which didn't change any financial part of the situation, just um, added length and commitment that this is where we want to be and commitment from the university. And so, um, you know, just really pleased to be part of that. Very grateful uh, for our staff, for our leadership here and our players. And they've they've done amazing, you know, to, to win 10 games to the last three seasons. Uh, think of where it was when we got here and where it is now and what's been going on in recruiting that'll lead into next year uh, is, is really amazing uh, just just to be a part of and excited to watch these guys play one more game. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, we'll take our next question from Joe Smeltzer. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, Coach. Thanks for taking the time. So... From what you've seen of Drew Allers so far, what have been your main takeaways of his game at the quarterback position? Well, he's hard to beat. Takes care of the ball really well. Um, you know, really good mixture of being able to throw the ball and then get out of trouble and make a play and um, make a first down with his feet. So um, these guys are always really hard when they're, you know, I call student of the games when you see them play. Uh, you know, rarely make any mistakes. And if you, when you couple that with the best defense in the country, um, you know that's a really good combination. That's why why these guys have won so many games. All right, we'll go next to Max Ralph from All Penn State. Hey, Lane. Um, curious how Penn State having co-coordinators on both sides of the ball for this game, interim co-coordinators, that is, uh, affects your preparation. Yeah, I think that. <clears throat> You know, the first thought people would think, well, that's a favor or that's in our favor with Manny leaving. But that, that presents challenges too. We, we don't have any idea, you know, what they're going to do. Um, you know, it's like opening the season with no, you know, preseason games or being someone's second game. So, uh, that, that's actually a really big challenge. Um, but, you know, it's just more that we're going to have to be ready for whatever they play and, and play really sound and play really good football. All right, we'll go next to Mitch Davis. Go ahead, Mitch. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. Coach, just a quick question. Uh, how does playing in the Southeastern Conference prepare you to play other conferences and bowl games and everything? And what makes the Southeastern Conference that much different from the Big Ten, the ACC, and other conferences? Well, I just think it's so balanced. Um, and, and there's so much elite talent and 
so that's not disrespecting any other conference I think that you know we're in analytics and stats and proof of things and I think the draft shows that um, by the number of SEC players drafted um, you know over the years compared to other conferences so you know you play such elite players um, really elite coaches and um, not just head coaches but coordinators and you play in really really hard environments um, almost all the environments are sold out very difficult environments to play in so um, I don't think any other conference has all of those things from top to bottom we'll go next to Brad Logan go ahead Brad thank you Matt thanks Lane uh, Lane you made the comment a couple times this year specifically after wins that this team you're privileged to coach this team what makes you say that and what makes this team different than the teams you coached in the past I, I think um, because of the, the time frame that we're in with the portal, um, especially the way that we put together a roster, um, a lot of times it's not going to be quite as enjoyable as it is to have recruited kids and them develop for a couple of years in a system and, you know, pick the school initially in their first pick, you know, versus their second pick. So, um you know, that doesn't always work. No different than free agency and professional sports. Look at the NBA. They put together these dream teams and um, all of a sudden, you know, don't have very good seasons once they start going bad. So it doesn't always work that way, just like it doesn't always work when you sign five-star players out of high school that you're going to win. So I've really enjoyed that these guys have come together from all these different places around the country um, and really put aside their egos because um, some of them don't play as much as they want. They Maybe they only play special teams. And, uh, you know, that, that says a lot about them. And I don't think that that is the common theme nowadays um, in this generation. In this system that's set up that's, you know, free agency every year, going all these places and in a lot of ways chasing money, that usually doesn't um, equal really good team chemistry. Take our next question from Charles Odom of the AP. Go ahead, Charles. Hey, Coach, thanks for doing this. Uh, to follow up on what you were saying about um, preparing for new uh, co-coordinators, um, how do, how, how do uh, the Penn State opt-outs uh, for the bowl, uh, does that further complicate your plans, uh, adding some uncertainty with the uh, personnel that you'll be facing? And, and when, we, when we spoke to you uh, at the bowl announcement, you you said you didn't anticipate uh, any any opt-outs uh, on your side. Is that is that Does that still hold? Uh, yeah, I probably jinxed myself, um, by saying that, uh, kind of a surprise to us. Cedric Johnson, um, decided not to play in the bowl game. So, uh, we wish him the best of luck. Um, we'll miss him. Uh, he was a really important part of this team, but, um, you know, everybody's got to make their own decisions nowadays and kids think about things, um, differently. And so it is what it is. And, um, but everybody else is here. And as far as those guys, they got a lot of great players. Um, you know, they've recruited at a really high level for a lot of years in a row, have not built through the portal. So I think they can sustain um, a number, you know, injuries or opt outs more than a lot of programs would be able to. So that was Lane Kiffin uh, yesterday. And we can unpack some of what he had to say. I think you could hear some disappointment in his voice, though, with regard to Cedric Johnson. Like, he understands it. He gets it. I don't think that he's 
mad at Cedric Johnson, but disappointed not to have a guy that meant a lot to the defense, especially on a day where you've got a quarterback that, if you can put some pressure on him, it feels like you can kind of, I don't know, knock their offense out of rhythm. Yeah. For sure. And, and Aller's a guy that, I mean, I didn't watch all 12 games, but I watched the ones that they played that mattered. Boy, he can be rattled. I mean, if you pressure him, uh, it's just not somebody that, when under duress, is still able to, to make plays and and be that guy. You know, I mean, he, he averages under 200 yards per game, including all the garbage games, for a reason. It's just they, they don't ask him to do a whole lot, and when he's under duress, it just doesn't go well. And so pressuring him is going to be the key. And, you know, not having a veteran pass rusher, although not as productive as they would have hoped that he would have been this season, certainly hurts. And and Cedric Johnson this year had good numbers. He didn't just have eye-popping numbers, but he had good numbers. Five and a half sacks, 12 quarterback hurries, six and a half tackles for loss, 40 total tackles. He certainly was an integral part of that defense tied for the team lead in sacks. We're back with you right after this. is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Question on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Guys, how well do you think Ole Miss's offensive line will do against that Penn State defense? I responded, I think that is a legitimate concern and probably should have put the legitimate concern in this ballgame. Yeah, A couple of things going there. One, Ole Miss has seen defensive fronts comparable to what they will see from Penn State. I understand that Penn State is number one, number two, number three in a ton of defensive categories. We outlined those earlier. They got to play Iowa. That helps. It helps. But from a personnel standpoint, are they overall more talented than Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, Probably not. Probably comparable. I don't know about more talented, but comparable. Comparable, yeah. Um, of course, Ole Miss lost two of those three. And you can scheme around it. and You know, you've got weeks to prepare for that. You would hope they're able to. Wouldn't be surprised at all, if, um, especially considering what you think is a healthy quarterback, using him in the run game a lot, keep a defense honest. Have to be a big game for Priestcorn as well, blocking uh, as well. So I think those are two things to really pay attention to is how they're using the tight end and if they're able to, because they couldn't at the end of last year, not really, run the quarterback like they usually like to in that offense. And Borky, to me, one of the things that, that stands out, I mean, yes, clearly Jackson Dart 
can hurt you in the run game. But his ability to avoid sacks with some some kind of subtle movement in the pocket could be a big deal in this game. Yeah, that, and that's that's probably the best part about his game. I mean, and we talked about this last year as well, but it, it proved true again this year. They were worse on the offensive line than it looked because he is so good at avoiding pressure in the pocket for not being the quote-unquote best athlete in the world. He's really quite good at that. He's going to have to to be sharp in this one as well. I was trying to look. I was looking at Ole Miss's stats and trying to see if I could find the number of times that he was sacked this time this year. So it's one of those that's always hard to find. Very hard to find. It's kind of buried within. And I was just looking for the sack. Okay, sacks by opponents had twenty six sacks this year. Those weren't necessarily all on Jackson Dart, but the majority. Was he sacked 26 times this season? Does that sound right? That sounds right. Arkansas's quarterbacks were sacked 47 times this season. Mm. 47 times. The Arkansas offensive line gave up 47 sacks. That's four a game, right? Yeah. Not great. Not great. And that's what Penn State's defense averages is four sacks per game. Hey, was there anything else that Lane Kiffin said that stood out to you? The the extension thing is funny because it's an extension really in name only, right? It's just the contract executing itself. Um, well, they had to extend it back to the full length the, that it was going into this year. So they yeah. added a year to the contract, but they did not change any of the financial terms. Made it a point to let everybody know that I'm not getting many, I'm not getting any more money, y'all. Which, he is getting a raise per the terms of the contract. There's an incremental raise that's in there, and there a is a retention bonus. bonus of a million dollars, I think, if I remember correctly, something like that. Yeah, so he's he's just fine. But um, I do and, like and he's that. hit a bunch of a bunch of bonus thresholds this year as well. Oh yeah, SEC wins. Egg Bowl. I think that the, I don't know if the Egg Bowl gets him a, a bonus no. or not, but making the postseason access bowl, that kind of stuff, all those little I say little, the fifty, hundred thousand dollar bonuses here or there for for hitting certain milestones. Well, the the, the non conference power five win against Georgia Tech was like a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar bonus. Jeez, what a what a world. But um you know, good good on Keith Carter though. Because I mean, how often have I made fun of athletic directors? for giving substantial raises to coaches that aren't being courted by anybody else. You know, why would you give Lane a million and a half dollar raise right now in base salary? Why would you do that? Where's he going to go? There's there's nobody courting yeah. him. And so if they win the Peach Bowl, maybe they give him a little boost. But A&M gave Jimbo a million and a half dollar raise in August. Missouri gave Drinkwitz a 50% raise after a losing season. And I'm sure they're satisfied with the contract now, but at the time it didn't make any sense. Nobody was after him. Yeah. So don't continue to give the guy a ton more money unless you have to. And right now they don't have to. The um, I was told that 
that neither Lane nor his representation pushed for a raise. That, that they were at least relatively content with the contract, which says to me that there's somebody that got to Lane and said, hey, just think about how last season ended. Think about the deal that you've got, where you are in the national landscape. You're in a good spot. B- build some goodwill. Now, if Ole Miss wins this game against Penn State and they have their first 11-win season in school history, will that lead to, hey, should we rethink things? And to your point about Keith Carter a second ago, if I'm Keith Carter in, like, the most positive way ever, go, hey, great season, there's some really good bonus money in there for you, you're still compensated at a really high level, got a chance for a really special season next year. Let's go have that special season, and then we'll talk about what's next. Yeah, because $9 million plus winning 10 games at $9 million plus is adequate. It's adequate. And it's what he needed to do to justify the contract that he got. Remember the offseason conversation? Yeah. Oh, boy. Sorry, State fans. You're going to think this is a shot, but so be it. Remember the, the conversation, the texts we got, and some of the, the conversation on this show about how is Ole Miss going to feel when they pay Lane $9 million to win the same amount of games that Arnett wins at $3 million? Remember that? There was yeah. a lot of that in July and August. Yeah. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. The show is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Holly Jolly Holidays, Christmas in the rearview mirror, but the holiday season is not over. And uh, you've still got ice skating through January 7th, I think it is. It's January, I think that's the date. It's January 7th is when the uh, the ice skating rink will officially close. You can check out all of the dates and see all the stuff that's going on in and around Oxford at visitoxfordms.com and be sure to follow along on all of their social media channels. Also, if you're looking for a new vehicle, now's the time. Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Got a great selection. I mentioned this yesterday. I looked a little more carefully as I was driving past Belk Ford on the way to the studio today, and holy cow, the selection they've got on the lot right now. A bunch of F-150s. You got several Ford Expeditions, a couple of Ford Bronco Sports that are out there, Mustangs. they got a good selection of Mustangs right now. If that's your thing, they've also, Borky, got the uh, the Mustang Mach-E, which is the electric Mustang that looks kind of like a hatchback. A couple of those on the lot. Mm, so lots to choose from if, uh, if now is the time. And in addition to the holiday sales event that's going on, which means great financing and savings, remember, it's the end of the year. And uh, Velk Ford, Oxford Toyota, they want to close the year out strong, just like everybody else does. You just might. You just might find an extra special deal. Tell them that you heard about Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota on Sports Talk Mississippi. They'll take care of you. Great people. BelkFord.net, OxfordToyota.com. But visit them in person on Highway 6 West in Oxford. West Virginia with a punt return for a touchdown. They now lead it 14-3 over North Carolina with 129 to go until halftime. That is in Charlotte at the Dukes Mayo Bowl. Um... Sorry, Chris. Chris and Madison's upset with me. I'm, I'm sorry about that, my friend. It's just, you know. We, he said you took a low blow, right? Yeah, he said it's fair, but low. And, uh, please forgive me, Chris. You you know that I don't like to do that. I just, 
man, there was there were a lot of things Richard said about about you and I about what we thought about the old Miss football team, and both of us undersold. But there were yeah. things that were said because how dare how dare you think that Ole Miss was going to have a good season in Mississippi State? Slightly not as good. How dare you? And we never revisit that stuff, do we? For good reason. We shouldn't because we get them wrong, too. Sounds like Morky keeps receipts, though. I just, I remember the things that were said about you and I. And I, I don't, I don't remember any of that. I do. Carry on. Move on. <laughs> I just, I'm not going to let those people know when I'm I right. I think I was like, like teetering on eight and four, nine and three, mm-hmm. and we talked about very much a path to ten wins, but there's a lot of good. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, coming up, when we get finished here on Sports Talk Mississippi, you've got thunder and lightning on the radio. Brian Haydad is off, but uh, Robbie Falk will be sitting in for him tonight. I think I saw Sam Purcell will be uh, on the show, and they'll talk recruiting as well. So that's Robbie Falk in for Brian Haydad tonight on Thunder and Lightning. That's following the news when we finish up here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to be with you. As we wrap things up on this, uh, this Thursday afternoon, or sorry, nope, 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 that's not right. Wednesday afternoon. I think that's the first time that I've said the wrong day of the week in a week where it is very, very easy to not know what day it is. Yeah, this is the what, the least productive week of the year is not March Madness, right? It's this one. Yeah, but the week between Christmas and New Year's. Nothing gets done. I've got a buddy that had to go to work for one day today, this week. That's it. Just just one day. Like, what do you think he did all day? Promise it wasn't work. Mm. Hey, I got a question for you. We're, uh, think back to high school football. Were you ever a captain on your high school football team? Mm-hmm. You had the, the opportunity to go out for the pregame coin toss? Yeah. Holding hands, which, anyway. Yeah, whatever. I don't think we held hands. Um, that was an honor. And can, can you imagine, Borky, the coach announcing who the captains were going to be before the game and your name was not called? You were not one of the captains. But it was a game that felt extra special to you. And so you decided to run out and join the captains for the uh, pregame coin toss. Can you imagine doing that? No. Me either. Jair Alexander did just that. In the NFL, Packers and the Carolina Panthers last week, really important game for Green Bay. They 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 had to have the win, and they got the win 33-30. to But Jair Alexander, playing in his hometown of Charlotte, decided that he wanted to be one of the captains. And so even though he was not one of the chosen captains by Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff, well... He decided to join the other three. And then when he got out there, he didn't just go. He decided that he was going to be the one to call heads or tails. He called it correctly. Therefore, 
Green Bay gets to decide, what are you going to do? And he says, we're going to play defense. That's not what you say when you want to play defense. You say you are deferring your decision to the second half. And then the other team says, we want the ball. Well, to his credit, Matt LaFleur, because of an issue that they had had earlier in the season, had talked to one of the officials on the field, I guess the referee on the field before the game, and had said to them, if we win the toss, we defer to the second half. And so the referee, having had that conversation already with the head coach, allowed what Jair Alexander said to not matter. He could have gone letter of the law and go, well, he said we're playing defense, which would be their right to choose. And then you turn to Carolina and go, they have chosen defense. Do you wish to take the ball or pick the end of the field? We want the ball. So they would have had the ball to start the first half and the second half if it had worked out that way. It didn't work out that way. But it was so egregious of a mistake that you know what the Packers did today? Suspended him. They suspended Jair Jair Alexander for a game. And they have a must-win game against Minnesota this coming week. You know, people are saying they shouldn't have. I disagree completely. You go against the basic order of the team, and you almost cost possession of the ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Whatever your game check is, buddy, you sacrificed that this week for being an idiot. Although it could be a big loss for them because he's a pretty good cover corner. He is, but, you know, principles, man. Um, And probably would have had to cover Justin Jefferson. And in the locker room, he was asked about it. This, this is why I love NFL media so much more than college media, because they get this access. They got to talk to him about this in front of his locker, and they pressed him on it. They were like, you understood like what you almost did, right? And he was like, no, they knew what I meant. And a reporter was like, but you you know that that's that, that you really could have screwed that up. And he was like, yeah, they were looking at me funny, but I mean, it, it's fine. It's no big deal. <laughs> like, yeah, Jair, mm. it's kind of a big deal. Because of the way his contract is structured, he's only, only losing $60,000 this week because his base salary is $1.08 million. But he's making $21 million this season and is the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. It's still 60K, though. Still $60,000. Yeah. Hmm. So, tough break for uh, Jair Alexander and the Packers. I don't know if that's a tough break. I think that's deserved. Thanks for being with us this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We'll do it again tomorrow just after 3 o'clock. For Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Thunder and Lightning coming up next after the news. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. 
MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.